Good morning, church. Good morning. It's good to uh, see everyone here this morning. Um, it's good to uh, be present. Um, we know that uh, uh, you know that uh, if we, as I tell the kiddos today, if you were if you were dead, well, there there wouldn't be there wouldn't be any there wouldn't be any goals to to meet. There wouldn't be any things to do. There wouldn't be any achievements to be had. Right. Uh, so all glory be to God that uh, we are alive this morning so that we can continue to strive. Right. The Bible Amen. says there is no striving in the grave. And uh, striving is really um, what human beings are all about. We're all striving for something. Now, you know, that striving takes, uh, manifests itself in different ways. Um, some people strive for this. Some people strive for that. Um, we talked about it last Lord's Day about what Paul said about one who strives, um, who seeks the mastery, one who wins the race, um, is one who has to do so lawfully, meaning they can't cheat it. Mm-hmm. Or they, they shouldn't cheat it. Uh, but again, striving takes, um, striving takes place in all different forms. As a matter of fact, we're not all in the same race. And I mean, just looking at you know, all human beings on the planet. We're in a race for eternal salvation, while as others are in, in another sort of race for uh, for a monetary gain, for, for pride, for you know, prestige, for whatever it is, um, we are not all running the same race. Uh, you know, with that in mind, uh, Jesus tells us that broad and and uh, uh, broad and, and and straight excuse me, broad is the way that leadeth to uh, destruction. So not only are we not running the same race, but we're not even on the same racetrack. Um, you know, we're, we're just running in, in completely two different uh, worlds, it, it, as it seems. Um, and I want to start off by taking a look at a passage of Scripture and... Uh, if you have a Bible, uh, we'll be reading from the book of Deuteronomy. And uh, in uh, the book of Deuteronomy, uh, it says in Deuteronomy, the third chapter, um, well, there's, there's a lot to read here. So it says uh, in Deuteronomy, the third chapter, and just to kind of set the stage, is the children of Israel are, you know, they have, you know, they've, they've completed their, I wouldn't say completed, they're about to reach the end of their their journey across the wilderness of sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you remember the book of Exodus, rather, uh, they were well on their way, if not for the fact that, they decided um, to build themselves a, uh, a golden idol, right. a calf, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, as a result of their disobedience, as a result of them breaking that first commandment, uh, which was that no one, that they should not put any other God before the Almighty God, and I'm saying lowercase g to the uh, uppercase g. It says that uh, they were uh, smitten to wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. 
And the reason why was because he wanted all of the generation of those who had committed said travesty um, to not be partakers of that promised land uh, that God had given to Abraham that uh, was prophesied by Moses. And in Deuteronomy, the, the third chapter, and even Moses wasn't uh, able to see the promised land. As, as we know, he struck the rock instead of speaking to it. But in Deuteronomy, the third chapter, starting at verse number 22. Um, well, let's start at verse number 21. Uh, it says, And I commanded Joshua at that time, saying, Thine eyes have seen all that the Lord your God had done unto these two kings. So shall the Lord do unto all the kingdoms whither thou passest, and ye shall not fear them, for the Lord your God shall fight for you. And I besought the Lord at that time, saying, O Lord God, thou hast begun to show thy servant thy greatness and thy mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven or in earth that can do according to thy works and according to thy might? That's a rhetorical question. I pray thee, let me go over and see the good land that is beyond Jordan, that goodly mountain in Lebanon. Now, this is, this is you know, uh, Moses, mind you, who had, you know, forsaken a family. He had forsaken riches. He had forsaken honor um, to, to follow God. Uh, this was a man, as we know, who was... Uh, you know, well loved by Pharaoh's daughter. Um, he had a he had a seat at the table, right? Uh, but he gave that up. Mm -hmm. He stood up for a fellow Hebrew, and he, he killed an Egyptian soldier, and he and he fled. We know that he went into the uh, the wilderness. He 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 came across a loving family um, who accepted who accepted him. Uh, we know that while he was working as a shepherd, he came across a, a bush that was burning, but it wasn't really on fire. And there he learned of God's uh, purpose for him, that he would be chosen, that he was chosen to be God's mouthpiece. He was told to go back to Pharaoh and to speak to him about releasing his people because God had heard their many prayers. Right. As I just got through mentioning, again, that Moses was kept back just as those who had disobeyed him, that those, just as those who had disobeyed God, rather, right. God, Moses disobeyed God and then he struck that rock out of frustration. And here he is in Deuteronomy, the third chapter, praying to God, acknowledging God for who he is. And he asks him, I pray thee, mm -hmm. you know, I'm begging with you, I'm, I'm making a sincere request the Almighty God, to you, Almighty God, that you allow me to go over and see this land. And this is the response that the Lord gave him in verse number 26. It says, But the Lord was wroth with me for your sakes, and would not hear me. And the Lord said unto me, Let it suffice thee, speak no more unto me for this matter. Get thee up into the top of Pisgah, and lift up thine eyes westward, and northward, and southward, and eastward, and behold it with thine eyes, for thou shalt not go over this Jordan. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's a, a powerful statement here. Mm -hmm. That, uh, you know, after all that Moses had done, um, he was just 
allowed to see it. Right. He wasn't allowed to, to go over there and, and, and feel it, you know, you know, put his feet on the other on the, on the shores of the other side of Jordan. You know, the Lord said, hey, listen, I don't want to hear anything else about it. Go up to the mount, the top of Mount Pisgah, and, and look as far as your eye can see. And you can see it, but you will never be able to set foot on it. You know, the uh, as we, we got through reading uh, the scripture reading this morning in uh, Matthew, the 16th chapter, verses 24 through, uh, through 28, is, you know, we're all striving for something. Yes. As I mentioned in the introduction, we're, we're in a different race from others. Um, and because we're in a different race, because we're striving for something different, um, it stands to reason that, you know, we act different, that we move about this world different. Right. Um, because we're striving for different things. And it's important to highlight here that Moses was striving for the same thing that we are striving for. Mm -hmm. He strove to see the promised land or and not just to see it but to experience it with his own hands right and because of disobedience um he fell short of that strife mm -hmm. of what he strove for mm -hmm. the um matthew or sorry deuteronomy the fourth chapter uh this is what uh he said Moses said to the to the nation of Israel, he says, Now therefore hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and unto the judgments which I teach you, for to do them that ye may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord uh, God of your fathers giveth you. Mm -hmm. This is what he said. He said, Do the things that I've taught you, Mm -hmm. uh, because I've taught you the statutes and the judgments of God. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you won't be able to go in and possess this land that God has given you. Right. It says in verse number two, ye shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it, that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. That means that it's non-negotiable. Right? You, you can't change it. You can't add to it. You can't take away from it. It is what it is. Whether you like it or not, these are the rules of engagement. Mm -hmm. the, these, this is the rules of the game that you are in. These are the conditions of the race that you are in. It's kind of like, well, if the race is four laps and I only do one lap and proclaim myself the winner, what are they going to give me the prize? No, because the race is four laps. It's not one lap. Right. If the race is that I have to run all the way around and not cut across the uh, the infield, right? You know, you can't cheat it. I mean, even the world understands this. You remember there was, a, and I can't remember the details, but there was a, a woman that run won the, the Boston Marathon. And it came to, we came to find out, right, she had never trained. She didn't even know the lingo. She didn't understand the rules. I mean, she wasn't even wearing the, the right shoes that the pros were wearing. But she came in first and won that race. And they were like, mm, 
no, there's, there's something wrong here. You don't look as tired. You're not as sweaty. You don't understand the lingo. You, you don't, your, 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 your body type just doesn't fit the profile. You're, you're wearing walking shoes instead of running shoes, right? And they come find out that she had cheated. How do they know that she had cheated? Because she didn't fit the profile. Right. She, she was talking the talk, but she couldn't walk it, right? Uh, excuse the pun. You know, she she just didn't fit it. And we find here that Moses didn't fit it either, did he? And so what he's trying to impart upon the Israelites is, listen, mm -hmm. you got to walk the walk and you got to talk the talk. It says, again, going on in verse number three, it says, your eyes have seen what the Lord did because of Baal Peor. For all the men that followed Baal Peor, the Lord thy God hath destroyed them from among you. He, he said, the proof is in the pudding. Mm -hmm. You guys were all witness to the fact that God is not slack concerning his promise. You guys are all witnesses to the fact that God abhors evil in all of its forms. Such that the men and women who uh, failed or succumbed to idol worship were destroyed. Going on in verse number four, it says, But ye that did cleave unto the Lord your God are alive, every one of you, this day. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I go back to uh, the scripture, and we'll, we'll get to it here in a second. But one verse that jumps out to me is, you know, brother, people ask a really good question. What is your soul worth? You know, what value is it if you profited all the things that are in this world, but lose your soul well that's that's kind of a self uh, a self-explaining a self-explaining statement mm -hmm. am, I, am I saying that right right what it means is is that there is nothing more valuable than making sure that your soul has a uh, a resting place in heaven right versus the contrary mm -hmm. which is to gain the whole world now I want to I don't want to go off on a tangent, so I'll bring it right back to what uh, Moses continues back here in Deuteronomy, the fourth chapter. He says again, the only reason why you're alive is because you've been obedient. Right. God is preserving you mm -hmm. solely because of what you are doing, solely because of your relationship that you have with him. Mm -hmm. if, if it were anything else, you wouldn't be here right now. Right. He says uh, in verse number five, Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments, even as the Lord my God commanded me, that ye should do so in the land, whither ye go to possess it. Mm -hmm. He's saying again that you need to continue to do these things in that land. Keep therefore and do them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations, which shall hear all these statutes, and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. Right. So what happened? So what happened? Well, we know what happened. We know that the Israelites did not keep the statutes and judgments of the Lord God. And because they did not, 
it says that they were conquered by many nations. Mm -hmm. Jerusalem was built, raised, built, and raised again multiple times. The the Pers, the Medes, uh, the or the Persians, the uh, the Romans, the the Babylonians, the the Philistines, the uh, the Greek. I mean, all the way to the present day. I mean, they still have enemies on their doorstep. And you know what Moses said is, if you had kept the statutes and commandments of the Lord, mm -hmm. those nations would look at you and say, you are a wise and understanding people. Amen. Now we know that uh, we are the nation of Israel. Right. We are the people. We are partakers of of the kingdom that was promised. Mm -hmm. We are partakers of the promised land that was promised to our father Abraham. Right. We are the Jews. Mm -hmm. um, and not Jews because we have been circumcised of the flesh, as the Bible says. We are Jews because we have been circumcised of the heart. And here again, you know, the Old Testament is written for our learning. Mm -hmm. Moses is saying, that if we continue in the statutes and the judgments of our Lord God, all nations around about us will surely say this is a great nation, and that it is a wise and understanding people. Mm -hmm. But what are you striving for? What is it that you are striving for? And if you have your Bibles, um, Turn to the book of Joshua. It says um, in the book of Joshua, the 24th chapter. And um, we'll start reading at, uh, boy, there's just so much here. Uh, Joshua, the 24th chapter, we'll start reading at verse number 16. Again, Joshua 24, starting at verse 16. And <clears throat> this, is, this is Joshua. He's about to die. Mm -hmm. You know, we just got the reading. Um, in Deuteronomy, the latter part of the third chapter, that God had said to Moses, therefore, set up Joshua to be the leader of my people. Right. Right. This is fast forwarding, you know, a lifetime later mm -hmm. of the people having possessed the land that was promised to them, this, this, the, the land of Canaan, this, this land was overflowing with, with milk and honey. Mm -hmm. And Joshua is about to, is about to die. As, we'll, as you can see in the latter part of Joshua, the 24th chapter. And he is um, preaching to the people. Mm -hmm. You know, my study Bible says that Joshua is giving a farewell address. And, you know, that's aptly put because he's talking to the people about, you know, what he would, what he would like them to, what he encourages them to do. And it says in verse number 16 of Joshua, the 24th chapter, that the people, after hearing these words of encouragement and exhortation, it says, 
the people said unto Joshua, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. Mm -hmm. For the Lord our God, he it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt mm -hmm. from the house of bondage and which did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way wherein we went and among all the people through whom we passed. Mm -hmm. And the Lord drove out even before us all the people, even the Amorites which dwelt in the land. Therefore will we, therefore will we also serve the Lord, for he is our God. <laughs> and Joshua said unto the people, this is what he said. He said, ye cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions, nor your sins. For if ye forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you. After that, he hath done you good. And the people said, unto, and, and just to kind of give you a backdrop, Joshua had struggles with these people from the very moment that he was made uh, the leader of the nation of Israel until this point. Right. And so he's, you know, the people are saying, you know, jo uh, Joshua, we won't. And he's saying, listen, you've done it before. And if you do it again, just understand that God is a jealous God. Mm -hmm. And the people in verse number 21 are saying again, but nay, nay, but we will serve the Lord. Mm -hmm. And Joshua said unto the people, ye are witnesses against yourselves, mm -hmm. that he had chosen you that ye have chosen you the Lord to serve him and they said we are witnesses mm -hmm. now therefore put away said he the strange gods which are among you and incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel wow. you hear what you know yeah. they're standing there with idols amongst them saying that we will only serve the Lord Joshua is saying but you can't unless you serve the Lord they're saying but nay we will Joshua says okay fine you're witnesses of yourselves mm -hmm. and if you are witnesses of yourselves as you affirmed in verse number 22 put away all of the strange gods that are mm -hmm. among you verse number 24 it says the Lord and the people said unto Joshua, The Lord our God, we will serve in his voice, we will obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day, and set them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God, and took a great stone, and set it under an oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said unto all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness unto us, for it hath heard all the words of the Lord, which he spake unto us. It shall therefore, it shall be therefore a witness unto you, lest ye deny your God. What happened to the rock? What happened to this rock that was put under the oak tree, adjacent to the sanctuary of the Lord? You know, just a reminder a visual reminder to the people that, hey, you, you, you remember this conversation that we had? You remember this, this, uh, this covenant that we made 
you know, back on such and such a day. This is that rock. And every time you walk to the sanctuary of the Lord, look over at that rock. Mm -hmm. It was only a reminder if you were going to the sanctuary. What if you were going someplace else? You'd never see that rock, would you? What if that rock got obscured by leaves that fell from the oak tree? Mm -hmm. What if nobody manicured the the lawn around that rock? Uh, around that rock, what would happen? Mm -hmm. Over time, that rock would just become a rock, mm -hmm. and over time, it would just melt into the background. And what would what would happen? Well, you no longer have that physical reminder. Which is the reason why God said, God prophesied that his true people would be those that would have his commandments written in a place where it would always be there. That's right. There's no getting around it. It can't be overgrown or covered up by leaves because it will be written upon the hearts of those who believe. Mm -hmm. But it's all about what are you striving for? And to put the nail on the head, I, I just want to talk about um, uh, this world that we live in. Mm -hmm. Now, when I was a kid, my world was just Merced. Mm -hmm. Okay, maybe when brother and sister Bill were kids, it was just, you know, maybe Lexington, Virginia. Just, just, and when I, when I read this thing about gain the whole world, Why would anybody want to gain the whole world? But I, I thought about myself as a youngster. When I was a kid, I wanted to venture out into the community. Mm -hmm. You know, I started off with my mom just allowing me to ride my bike down to the end of the street. And, you know, when I, when I got to the end of the street, I thought, you know what? I've gotten to the end of the street. What about around the corner? Mm -hmm. Right? And I thought, you know what? My mom allowed me to get to the street. Now I want more, right? I want to see more, right? I, I, I want to go around the corner. And so, you know, when I got older, and, and actually even without my mother's permission, I did it anyway, right? Because I, I got to the end of the street. I looked back. I didn't see her. I assumed she couldn't see me, right? And what did I do? I kept on riding my bike. And I got around the block. Right? And then my world expanded, right? And I thought, wow, if I could go around the block, what about across town? I remember the very first time I rode my bike to Bear Creek. It was fantastic, brothers and sisters in Christ. It was an experience. Again, I'm, 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 I'm 40 years old, and I'll never forget it. I was, you know, what's the street by Hoover? Um, Hoover uh, Middle School? What's that, Gerard? Is that Gerard? No, that's not Gerard. No. What is that, Glint? No, that, what street is that? There's Santa Fe on one side, I think. You know, you go over the railroad tracks, you know, there's Hoover on one side, and then you keep going down, and it bookends at, at uh, Bear Creek. I can't remember what street it is, but, man, I can. I, I literally, I'm, I'm physically feeling the emotions of riding my bike and being like, Wow, I'm going to Bear Creek. And then when I got to Bear Creek, right, I was like, 
Well, I've got to, I've got to ride my bike all the way the length of Bear Creek. And if you've ever been on a bike, right, that going down Bear Creek, there's hills, there's turns. I mean, it, oh man, it was fantastic, right? And I just thought, I am gaining the world because I'm striving to know more of it and to experience more of it except for the fact that I was transgressing the law, was I not? Yes. So my mom told me, don't do that. But I did it anyway because I needed to. I had a feeling. I had a taste for it. So when I read, when I read that, I, I reflect back to my, my, young, my younger days as a, as a young man, as a teenager, growing into adulthood about my striving to gain the world. It wasn't that I wanted to gain all the money or or it wasn't even about one particular thing. It was just I wanted to go out there and, and experience more of this world. That's the best way I can describe it is you go to the end of the street, you want to keep riding your bike further. You go to the end of the block, you want to go even further. You want to you get to Bear Creek, now you want to now you want to go across town. Mm -hmm. I remember when we rode our bike out to Merced College, I thought, my goodness, this is awesome. Uh, until I had to ride my, my, my bike back. And I thought, man, I'll never do this again. Because right? it's a long way. Eventually, you got to get home. But my point is, I expanded my experiences. Mm -hmm. And that's what these young people are experiencing today, except they don't necessarily need to leave their homes, do they? They can jump on their phones and experience a, a cornucopia of things, both good and bad. And I would say that the bad things are even more enticing because they appeal to the flesh. I mean, that, that very first time you see a scene on a movie, what is it? do to you well it draws you to see more mm -hmm. and more and more and more and more until you've experienced all that this world has because you're striving for it your flesh can't help it mm -hmm. think about the how jesus was tempted mm -hmm. in uh, matthew the fourth chapter says in verse number 8 of Matthew the 4th chapter it says again the Lord the, and again the devil excuse me taketh him up to an exceeding high mountain and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them mm -hmm. and this is what the devil said unto Jesus he said and he said them all these things I will give thee if thou wilt what Fall down and worship me. You know, what was what was Satan trying to appeal to Jesus with? The experience of the world. Can you imagine being up on a tall, on a tall mountain, just having come from a small village in Galilee? You know, not having seen all those city lights. Okay, maybe you can't maybe you can't imagine Jesus' experience, but have you been to Las Vegas at night? Mm -hmm. 
Have you driven to Las Vegas at night? You know, you drive, you, you know, you drive up over the mountain at night and you look down and what do you see? You see all those lights, right? And you're thinking, what happens to your brain? What happens to your flesh? I mean, there is a bio, biological chemical process. You know, your, your bloodstream is bombarded with hormones. And what do you want to do? <coughs> you don't want to own all of Las Vegas, but you want to experience it. You want to get out there on the streets and the hustle and bustle and feel. You want to see the, uh, the fountains of the, of the Bellagio. It's even more enticing today than the last time you saw it. Trust me. The devil did that to Christ. But Christ, this is his response. In verse number 10, because Jesus was striving for something different. His, his heart, his intentions, his eyes were set on a different type of pride. It says in verse number 10 that Jesus said unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written. And this is the tie-in to what Moses had just said to the Israelites. And then a lifetime later, what Joshua had just said to the Israelites. Jesus says, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Mm -hmm. You know, Jesus goes on to uh, talk about, uh, in the book of Matthew, uh, he says, you know, a man can't serve God and, and mammon. Mm -hmm. It says in Matthew, the sixth chapter, verse 24, if you're going to serve one, then you're not serving the other. Uh, it's, I'll read it verbatim. It says, no man can serve two masters, for, he, for he, either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in mammon. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the idea being here is that you can't run two races at the same time. Mm -hmm. You can't run the race of, you can't strive for one prize and also get the other. It's cheating. It's impossible is what Jesus is saying to us is that if you're striving for things that appeal to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life, you will hate, <clears throat> excuse me, you will hate serving God and you will despise eternal life. You can't do both at the same time. Now I'll tell you, you've been there. You've had children. Why do you tell them not to go down, not to go beyond the end of the street? I'm 40 years old and I have three young adults as children. And I know exactly the reason why my mom told me not to go beyond the end of the street. It's because I wasn't prepared. She knew that out there beyond the end of the street is a world of evil, a world of indignation, 
a world that is striving for something other which will result in eternal damnation. Mm -hmm. She knew I wasn't ready. But what does every child who is lacking in experience do? They're overconfident. They're lacking in faith. Right? Because I, I understood what my mom was saying, but I thought, you know what? It's kind of like doubting Thomas. Mm -hmm. Right? Unless I experience it for myself, mm -hmm. I won't truly believe that there's evil out beyond the end of the street. And I found it. I'm sure maybe some of you have found it as well. Amen. But all glory be to God that <laughs> we heard that second message from Joshua, if you will. We heard it again. You know, the, the words that were planted in us, you know, when we accepted the gospel of Jesus Christ, are a stone of remembrance because we are witnesses. You are all witnesses. And you brought me back just as others brought you back. Right. Amen. I go to the scripture reading here in, in Matthew, the 16th chapter. Uh, you know what Jesus says that uh, anyone who comes after him has to deny himself. Well, right. what is it to deny oneself? Well, to deny oneself is to deny your own desires, your own personal you know, goals and aspirations and accept not just the goals and aspirations, but as Jesus says, you know, the burden of the cross of Jesus Christ. You know, I, 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 I look back to myself as a youngster, and if I had the ability to be like, go like back to the future, that's it. Mm -hmm. Go back to 1984, as it were. And talk to the the young the young man Thomas. Right. What would I tell him? <laughs> what advice would I give him? I would tell him, number one, you're not ready. You're not strong enough. What you are about to experience in the short term is going to be exciting. But because you know more and have experienced more of this world, Satan is just opened up. You have opened up the playing field for Satan. You have given him more space to entice you with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life because you have broadened your horizons. You've seen more. You've done more. I would tell little Thomas, hang back. Take it slow. Invest in learning more about God so you will be better equipped to handle what's beyond the end of the street. Verse number 25, Jesus says, And for whosoever shall save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. And again, you know, you know, this isn't it's those who are spiritually inclined understand exactly what Jesus is saying is that you have to sacrifice that burning desire to go out there and, and do what others are doing. You, I guess we all understand and know what it was like to be young. 
We all understand when people are drinking, what did you want to do? You wanted to drink. When people are out there partying, what did you want to do? You wanted to go out there and party, knowing full well that mom and dad told you not to do it. But you had to do it. You wanted to do it because it was forbidden. It was against the law. And the Bible tells us in the book of Romans that it is the knowledge of what is wrong that entices us to do that thing which is wrong. Paul talked about it. He said, that which I, that which I do not, I do. Because there's two laws. There's the law of my flesh worn against the law of my spirit or the law of the spirit. Again, Jesus says that if you give up the law of the flesh, you will obtain eternal life. He goes on to say in verse number 26, For what is a man that profiteth if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? For what shall a man give in exchange for a soul? And here I can insert the parable of the prodigal son. Why did the prodigal son, or how did the prodigal son know that there was something beyond, you know, the uh, the farm that he was a part of. Well, somebody had to tell him about it, right? He went to his father and said, hey, I want my inheritance now so that I can experience life beyond the end of the street. And he did. But he came back. And I guarantee you, if he were to tell his younger self, he'd probably tell him, listen, it's not worth it. As he came back and told his father, mm -hmm. it wasn't worth it. It's not worth it. It's not worth gaining the experiences of the whole world and lose your own soul. As Brother People astutely said, well, what is the value of your soul? In verse number 27, Jesus continues on by saying, But the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Mm -hmm. Verily I say unto you, there shall be there, there be some standing here which shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. So the lesson is yours. You know, following the exhortation of Moses, following the exhortation of Joshua, following the example of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, when he was brought to the very pinnacle of the mountain and shown the glory of the world, what is the thing that we should strive to do each and every day? Is to serve God and Him alone. We can't give ourselves over to uh, serving other other gods, lowercase g, but we have to give ourselves to serving the only, the only almighty God, the father of Abraham, the father of Isaac, or the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If we strive to do that, then we're going to live contrary to the world. That's what makes us peculiar. We're not striving to be peculiar or different just on the face of being different. We are peculiar as a result of our striving to serve God and Him alone. Amen. Amen. So when you're out there and 
you have an opportunity to see the world. That's the enticing of your flesh. Just understand you don't need to see anything beyond the end of the street. Strive for the mastery and strive for the lawfully. And what has God promised us? He's promised us that we will inhabit a far more beautiful city in a far more precious place. And we'll be there where there will be no sorrow, no, no, no tears, as it says, no pain, no anguish. It will be an eternal day lightened by the glory of God himself through his son Jesus. That's what we get. But you have to restrain yourself. Restraint to the young is very hard to do. Um, well, restraint is hard to do, period, for any one of us. But Amen. if we keep our eyes focused on serving the Lord God, we will make heaven our home. So the lesson is yours this morning. Um, if you have not been doing what God would have you to do, if there has been some other striving that you've been doing in this life, you can recommit yourself this morning um, to uh, get back on that straight, narrow path that leads to eternal life. Um, you... We can say a prayer for you that God will uh, strengthen you and and uh, give you the tools and the inspiration, the wisdom, the understanding, etc., to overcome whatever fault um, you have fallen into in this life. We all know what we did to become Christians. That we heard of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We believed it. We repented. We confessed. We went down in that water grave of baptism, and now we're all striving to. Serve God until the very end in order to make heaven our home. So again, the message is yours. If you have the urgency to do so, please come as we stand and sing the song invitation.